very excited to be here at this uh, in-person event. I know everyone is saying it, but May it really... May I please uh, quiet everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, no problem. I, listen, I know everyone is saying it, but I have to say truly from the bottom of my heart, it's fantastic to be here, see friends, colleagues, and uh, familiar faces. It's really terrific. So, uh, you know, we met virtually in New York this past March and had um, really focused on the disruption in both the shipping markets as well as the capital markets and volatility as a result of war in Ukraine, the continuing pandemic, and also, um, you know, market price volatility. And as we've heard in the prior sessions, particularly this morning in more of the kind of economic focus sections, uh, sessions, given the current energy outlook, and situation in Europe, particularly with what's unfolding right now with Russia reducing prices, um, uh, excuse me, reducing exports, there appears to be renewed anticipation of an upturn in ton-mile demand in the tanker industry. And in addition, in China, we've seen a recent expansion of COVID protocols resulting in port congestion and economic slowing over there as well. So once again, we turn our focus to the U.S capital markets and the worldwide capital markets and opportunities for the shipping industry. And this comes right on the heels of the successful IPO of Accelerate Energy last month and uh, in February, uh, the cool company IPO in Oslo. So our panel today consists of leading investment bankers who cover both the U.S. and the Norwegian markets and other markets around the world, clearly, as well as a representative from the NASDAQ stock market. Um, which has been the home of many U.S. listings for shipping uh, over the years. So let me introduce everyone to you now. Uh, from NASDAQ, we have Isabella Shidrish, who is a senior managing director at NASDAQ. Um, from the bankers, we have, well, I'll just go this way, uh, Crystal Volpicelli, managing director and head of maritime investment banking at Citi, and of course, Krista, um, you know, has been around for many, many years, and we all have seen her on, on deals, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, been a, it's been quite a while, which is terrific. We have uh, Ronnie Bjornadal, who is Deputy CEO of Cleves Securities in Norway. Uh, who's next? Oh, next to you, Jim Sorenza, Managing Director at DNB Markets. And on the end, Chris Wires. Chris is a Managing Director and the Head of Maritime Investment Banking at Stiefel. Uh, for me, again, it's an honor uh, to be here with this great panel. Everyone sitting at this table has shown a very strong commitment to shipping and the Greek market for shipping in particular. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that shipping needs a great deal of capital and lots of it. We've, we, even in the last panel, we heard Harris and Antonio speaking about, uh, you know, new buildings, retrofits, a lot of capital is going to be needed. I know everyone in this room is aware of it. And the capital markets, particularly the U.S. capital markets, are the largest and most liquid source of capital in the world, uh, you know, pretty much by far. Uh, so let's get started with some opening thoughts, uh, I think, into the equity capital markets. Maybe we'll just start on the end because it'll be easier. Uh, Chris is down on the end, Chris Wires. Maybe uh, each of you can tell us a little bit about your firms and where you uh, fit here, your role in the capital markets for shipping, and some initial thoughts on what's happening in the equity capital markets. 
Yeah, sure. So my name is Chris Wires. I run the shipping and energy infrastructure practice at Stiefel. Um, we essentially, you know, position ourselves as the largest middle market focused investment bank in the United States. Um, we have a big wealth management business. We have a big investment banking business and provide, you know, essentially all the same services, you know, large banks provide um, in terms of capital raising, M&A advisory. Um, restructuring advisory, um, liability management. So, you know, I know I've worked with a lot of people in this room, and I'm quite a regular in Greece. So, I'm happy to be back after you know two years of of being away. I guess this works. Hi, Jim Sorenza, uh, with D and B. Uh, so, we're, since we're focusing on the U.S. and and the capital markets, uh, we've been involved in 30 equity-related transactions. Uh, in the last two years, the fixed income transactions in the U.S. have been far beyond that. Uh, it's been the most amazing period, but it's been the most amazing period for the capital markets, period. If you go from April of 2020 until November of, uh, two th uh, November of this past year, uh, the U.S. equity capital markets raised about a trillion and a quarter dollars. The, the debt capital markets, whether it was investment grade, high yield, or the, the U.S. Treasury, have never issued more paper ever. So we've come through a period of, of 20 months of just the most incredible capital market issuance period. Um, shipping is, is, is possibly our most important vertical. Uh, we only have a few verticals that uh, matter to us at, at DNB. And uh, the LNG space has been one of those verticals which have been very, very important to us, whether it was the, the recent take private of TKLNG or the, the cool company IPO. The, the LNG space, I mean, just in terms of pure math, you go back to two years ago with LNG in the U.S., Henry Hub prices were $2.60. We've, we've slightly more than tripled since then, and now the Henry Hub price begins with the number eight. At the same time, Japan, Korea LNG prices have gone up tenfold, and Europe is somewhere in between, but a little closer in, in, in terms of, of price movement to the other. So the arbitrage, which only costs the freezers, the shippers, and the, and the guys who warm it up on the other side, it only cost them about five bucks, but you've had an arbitrage for the last year or so that's been at least $25. So the economics has been phenomenal, and the investor acceptance of LNG has been phenomenal, and not just from the non-ESG investors, it's been phenomenal from the ESG investors as well. So, um, my name is Ronnie Bjarnall. Um, I'm with Cleves Securities. I uh, have a very long um, um, period in, in ship finance, um, most importantly for Nordea Bank for like 25 years. So, um, I like to think that, you know, we're kind of climbing up the ladder, and I think the way you should look at Cleve Securities is that we are uh, uniquely positioned investment banking boutique based in Oslo, but with a very, very strong global footprint uh, capable of doing uh, most sort of debt capital and equity capital market and corporate finance business. Uh, we will, you will also see us active in the alternative lending space, which was uh, discussed in the previous panel. Uh, we, we continue to think that that's a market that's going to continue to grow as banks continue to retract. But I, I fully agree with that panel that, you know, all capital sources will uh, continue to live uh, together. I mean, you know, shipping 
uh, and oil services are very capital intensive industries and they will continue to do so. I think in addition to uh, our securities business, uh, what makes uh, Cleves Group uh, very unique is that we do have uh, a long and short uh, hedge fund uh, ran by uh, Joachim Hannestal, which has been ranked by Bloomberg as one of the best analysts for, for, for numerous years. Um, and we do have what I will call best-in-class equity research, uh, which was presented here earlier this morning. So for those folks that were up early at 9 o'clock, um, you know, we gave them very, very positive message to the market that we do predict that, you know, following a prolonged period of underinvestments in the space, that the 2020s is probably going to be one of the best decades in a long time, uh, particularly within the dry bulk and in the tanker space. Uh, in addition, uh, we as a firm have a shipping broker desk, which means that we do have unique contact with all our clients. Uh, and, you know, I've always been a very firm believer that, you know, finance and in this industry, uh, you know, goes very uh, closely together. So, all in all, I think we are, you know, uniquely positioned to assist our clients to raise capital, uh, to do capital market transactions and, and, and M&A business and help them in all, all aspects. Thanks, Ronnie. Uh, Isabella? You have to... Challenge here. Okay, I try this one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, my name is Isabella Schiedrich. I've been uh, with Nasdaq for two decades. I followed closely the shipping industry since 2004, um, where we then had an, uh, had had a number of Greek shipping companies joining the market up to 2007. We have currently 12 Greek shipping companies listed on our market. So my role is to work with European companies. Um, to support a listing on our U.S. market. NASDAQ is well known for its U.S. flagship exchange. Um, the, we have 4,000 companies listed. Um, deepest pool of capital is on NASDAQ. And um, then we have seven uh, Nordic exchanges. We have seen a tremendous influx of um, new listings on our market in Stockholm, together with the growth market, which is called First North. Um, so not only of Nordic companies, but also of companies across Europe. And um, as you mentioned, the last two years were just incredible in terms of growth and new listings coming to the market. Um, NASDAQ is a multi-asset business, so obviously well known for its listing business, but we also provide our trading platform to um, 130 exchanges. So there's hardly any exchange out there which doesn't use our trading technology entire trading platforms or part of our technology. We own and operate 50 markets, and um, we obviously look forward to welcoming more, more shipping companies. And um, great to be back in Athens. So it's my first trip back since the pandemic. It's my first trip back since the pandemic as well, so it's nice to be back in Athens and see everyone in person. Um, so I guess just to introduce the, the city platform, um, as, as Rob said, I head up our maritime investment banking business. I'm based out of New York. City is a global bank. Um, we are unique amongst the, the U.S. headquartered bulge bracket banks in that uh, we have had a consistent presence in shipping on both the investment banking side um, as well as the corporate banking and lending side over our history. Uh, we have a senior team that has worked together for um, 20 years. 
And I think what we also bring um, is just, we have a, a large platform, a global platform, but we have the focus of a boutique firm in terms of the specialty nature of our team. Because I think what we've seen in shipping over the last few decades in the capital markets is um, selling shipping equity or selling shipping debt in the capital markets. You don't just put an issuance out there and expect investors to show up. It's a very specialized industry and you really have to, to pay attention to the differences between companies and platforms um, to be able to bring the right investors to the table. And that investor base has changed over time, as, as we've heard here today. So um, delighted to be here today. Um, I think it's an exciting time uh, for, for shipping companies in the public and private markets. Um, the, the sources of private capital continue to grow. And we're a part of that uh, as well uh, with our teams in terms of helping our clients. So um, nice to be here today. Uh, thanks, Krista. Let me stay with you for a minute. So for the last couple of weeks, I was looking at some charts. For the last couple of weeks, the markets have been trending down significantly. We're talking about the equity capital markets. Uh, and I think it's attributed to interest rate hikes as well as continuing uncertainties from the war in Ukraine. I know there was a blockbuster day on the market yesterday, but generally trending down. And the Dow Jones transports average is down about 12% in the month of April alone, which is a pretty big one-month decline. So what are your views on the where we stand today in the equity capital markets for, sh for the shipping industries, for people in the room today? What can they expect when they try to tap the market? And is, is, are there products available in the capital markets now for them? There we go. Okay, that's a lot of questions at once. Um, but what I would say, is, let's start broad first in terms of the broad backdrop. I think from our conversations with investors, clearly there's a very volatile geopolitical environment. Uh, investors are focused on inflation. They're focused on interest rates going up. If you talk to most investors in the U.S., the majority of them believe that Europe's headed into recession next year and that the U.S., about 50% of investors think that there's a good chance of a recession in the next 12 months. So there's a lot of challenges that people see. Um, you know, when you look at the broader industrial space, so trends that are benefiting shipping on the container side in terms of supply chain, those supply chain pressures that are causing the container shipping companies to make lots of money um, are weighing on the average corporate in terms of the costs and their ability to deliver products to their customers. So lots of pressures in terms of the overall backdrop. You're right, you know, you've seen that reflected in the overall indices. You've also seen um, a rotation out of some of the growth equity um, into value-based sectors. Um, issuance this year is significantly down year over year versus 2021 in light of a lot of these pressures. Uh, so that said, what does it mean for shipping? If you, actually, if you look at many of the shipping indices, uh, they're up year to date for, for 2022. Um, again, there's a pivot out of growth into value. Um, there's very positive dynamics happening in some of the segments such as dry bulk, such as LNG, such as container ship. Um, you know, tankers has seen a, a lot of volatility. There's trends such as consolidation that I think are also driving the market. So a lot of these themes are, are important. Um, there, this is definitely a market where any public company or private company thinking about accessing the, the public markets, it's a situation where it will be changing week by week. And so we're working with many clients in terms of being ready to think about 
what they would like to do in terms of raising capital, but being very sensitive to what are the right windows. If, if you don't have to be coming to the markets and you, know, you, you can have the flexibility to wait. Uh, just sticking with the theme, I, I, I like the pivot from um, growth to value. I think that is observable. Uh, Chris Wires, we'll go to the other end of the table here now. Uh, we're talking about inflationary pressures. Uh, do you see, and how do you see this affecting more equity-linked products, uh, convertible securities perhaps? Are you seeing any of, of that activity in your shop, or are you seeing um, a lack of interest on the part of both investors and, uh, and uh, issuers in the shipping industry? I think, I think inflation is definitely like a huge factor for all investors. Um, and it's not just shipping, it's across the board when you got 8% inflation in the US. I think it's similar levels of inflation in Europe and you've got treasury yields at 3%, you know, there's a negative 5%, you know, yield at least this year. And, you know, when, and, and most companies don't want to pay eight plus percent interest on debt. So, you know, even corporate credits that have a lot of inherent risk in them are still paying interest rates well below inflation rates. So, so we have seen a, a substantial pullback in interest of investors in fixed income. I, I think there's, you know, the ones that are interested are more interested in the floating rate instruments, but even floating rate, if you took LIBOR, you know, plus a pretty substantial spread, you're still below the inflation rate. So even even loans and, you know, and, and, and floating rate securities are still unable to keep up with inflation. So we've seen kind of a trade up and, and move out of the um, bond market. And, you know, if you looked at the papers over, you know, the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you, it's one of the only times in history that we've seen the bond market and the stock market trade down simultaneously. You know, the positive I see in the equity markets is, you know, shipping stocks are way up. I mean, way up. Um, and oil stocks are way up as well. Um, but I was around the last two days talking to ship owners around here, and even though shipping stocks are up, in almost all cases, you know, asset prices have gone up just as much, and there's still, you know, a meaningful gap between you know, their asset value and their and their share price. So I, I think the markets are open on the equity side. I mean, equity, you know, is the way to beat inflation as opposed to debt where you're, where, where you're, where you're hurt by it. But, but on the, on the equity side, I, I think the markets are, you know, as open as they've been for a while for most of these marine companies, but the, you know, the values just aren't there for owners and, and everybody's sitting on a lot of cash flow right now and just doesn't, does, doesn't need to raise equity. So. The dividends seem to be the flavor of the day in the um, in the shipping and oil markets. Let me, uh, thanks, Chris. Let me just shift over to Ronnie. Um, that what are you seeing in your shop and among your clients when it comes to inflationary pressures and these issues? So look, I, so look. I think uh, I think I totally agree with everyone in this panel. I think we 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 see. Um, you know, equity market is 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 opening up. Um, you know, we think it's it's driven by strong fundamentals, record low order book, and, and further upside ahead. Um, and we have recently seen a couple of transactions that's kind of evidence that. And I think you mentioned the cool cool company and accelerate, which clearly was a very timely um, uh, timely transaction. Uh, you know, based on the LNG and gas infrastructure and LNG with respect to cool. We saw Hafnia today, which raised, they were able to raise $100 million uh, 
um, only to position themselves, they leverage the balance sheet and, and increase the liquidity position. So uh, we, we, we see that, uh, and we, you know, we are in the market of trying to raise uh, equity capital for uh, you know, uh, certain you know oil services companies and, and other kind of maritime projects. So we think there is a change in sentiment. There's more, I would think, you know, investors will start to chase, uh, you know, real profit, uh, you know, real tangible uh, business to shift from um, some of the, you know, green investments that we've seen over the last 12, 18 months. Investors are kind of changing a little bit back to, 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 to real business and, and cash flow. So. You know, I think we remain uh, pretty positive on the space, and um, and um, you know, I think we're going to see more um, transactions happening in the market. Yeah. So that was interesting. Let me just pick up on that a little bit. So, do you feel that ESG, at least in terms of the shipping markets, do you feel that's losing some momentum, uh, at least, or maybe there's some fatigue among investors with ESG, or do you see it getting stronger as decarbonization efforts uh, advance? So, so it's, it's a good question. I, I don't think ESG is, is, is going away, and it shouldn't. I think ESG is a very important component of our business and of all businesses. I or to think that uh, you know everything was uh, a little bit taken out of proportion uh, for, for a period of time. Um, having said that, I think it's, it's equally important. But I think there is any investors is kind of looking at all aspects of their investments, including ESG, uh, but also. Um, um, taking a little bit, you know, deeper dive into the actual business, and at the end of the day, we'd like to see um, a sustainable, you know, business model, cash flow, and, and, and real profitability. But Thanks, ESG, is, ESG has come to stay, and it's a, it's a great thing. And uh, you know, I think every company should have a very, very strong focus on that. And I think our industry is actually leading um, in, in that regards with the Poseidon principle and numerous other activities that. Uh, the shipping industry was was very early on to adopt. Thanks, Ronnie. Um, let me just move back to Jim and talk a, a little bit about Accelerate. So Accelerate Energy raised close to $400 million with $384 million in a very strong IPO on the New York Stock Exchange. And Accelerate owns 10 FSRUs. Um, is this merely a one-time show here, or do you think that uh, other shipping sectors We'll see IPOs popping up in, in this, the same way. And secondly, assuming that you know this momentum can be sustained, what can shipping companies do today in the capital markets environment to prepare uh, for a successful deal? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I wish we did the accelerate deal. Um, but nonetheless, let's talk about it. So you look at the FSRU business, and uh, if you looked at today's news, uh, RWE in Germany uh, contracted a couple of uh, FSRUs. One was from Dynagas. Uh, Dynagas didn't comment on the uh, economics of the transaction, but Hogue commented a little bit on the economics of the transaction, and it was best ever economics, best in the history of an FSRU. So the economics in that business are as good as they can be. The, the acceptance, so let's talk about the ESG funds for a second. ESG funds didn't have the best year last year. 
So if you take the ESG funds in the U.S., um, thank you, Sustainalytics and MSCI and Bloomberg, for tripling the number of stocks they can invest in over the last two years. So number one sector that ESG funds bought in the U.S. in January was materials. Number two were industrials. And number three was energy. And then they sold technology and healthcare. That's ESG. So the investment community is there to embrace that the economics of the LNG business is phenomenal. The economics of the LPG business is phenomenal. You know, today or, or yesterday, Doreen announced a $2.5 dividend. That's $4.5 of dividends that they're going to pay out in 12 months. And uh, there's a stock that's trading in the mid-teens. Pretty good dividend return. So the, the economics in some of these businesses are, are too good to ignore. Um, so what can a company do to, to uh, prepare? Well, first of all, you kind of get what you put into something. So if you put the marketing time in, you know, test the waters, do some road shows, just get a sense for whether people are interested or not. Um, it doesn't take very long in these segments. And despite these horrific markets, and, and to point out the markets, U.S. IPOs year on year down 91%. U.S. high yield year on year down 80 percent. Anything that anything that sounds like a concept or growth, forget about it. But for the right stocks and the right sectors and the stuff that we care about here, it's finally our time. Thanks, Jim. Isabella, so what are you seeing from the exchange, the exchange's point of view um, in terms of new issue activity? and also to address you know, the foreign companies coming in, in particular. Obviously, we're, we're here in Greece speaking about shipping. Um, but we have an audience on the internet watching us who are all around the globe and uh, wondering your perspective on that right now. Yeah, thank you. So on the new side, we are encouraged by, oh, sorry. On the issue, new issue side, we are encouraged by the uh, um, strong number of, of filings with the SEC public filing. So there's a total of 350 companies filed. Um, we, we take around 270 of these. Um, so it's a strong backlog. And all these companies waiting now for the right time to come out um, and, and to go public. Um, then another, and um, quite a number of these are European companies. So we, we, we believe that there could be a window of opportunity um, by the end of May, so it will be established by next week um, because we expect some big ticker companies coming out, 9 billion, 10 billion market cap, and um, these companies can open the market. This is beyond shipping, this is um, different industry, technology companies. Um, and on the back of these companies, some of the, um, of, of, of the companies filed with the SEC could kick off the process. And then typically, as you mentioned, Europe. So we see always a six-month lag um, from the US, US activities coming to Europe. And um, so if I speak to European clients, which were lined up for an IPO at the beginning of the year, but then um, with the uh, um, war, um, then all these opportunities um, are now on, on hold. Um, if they plan to revisit going public by September, autumn. So this could be an opportunity for European companies. But it's difficult to predict. It all depends what the uh, geopolit geopolitical situation is doing. And then 
um, then obviously um, how valuations will look and um, whether, whether investors will continue to buy in. But we are encouraged by the momentum we hopefully have by the end of May, beginning of June, and by the big, big um, number of filings with the SEC. And in terms of shipping, I mean, Greek ship owners or shipping companies especially are uh, tremendously resourceful. Um, so if there is not the opportunity to go public with an IPO, then um, as we have seen over the last five years, we have um, seen only two IPOs, um, three IPOs in, in, in shipping, and the rest of um, the companies, um, there were a total of 10, um, were joining the market with direct listing or spin-off. And um, these vehicles will continue to, to stay even in, in a market which is um, not as, 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 as buoyant as the last seven years we had. Um, so we expect then, um, and there are confidential filers out there already, we expect um, spin-off company and, um, and, and, and direct listing and, and one IPO hopefully coming out soon. So um, we are positive, optimistic, and it, it all depends. And what Jim mentioned, which is preparedness. I mean, going through the IPO, it, it's a quick process. It's, it's only nine to 12 months. Um, but being really prepared as a company takes much more. And the dialogue with in investors, and what I see with other companies coming outside the shipping industry, they really communicate, still communicate their story. Um, you know, 15, 18 months, two years ahead of the IPO, um, positioning the company mid with investors, getting some key institutions in private on the on the private side, um, so they have anchor investors once they go public, and all this helps communicating the story and being ready. So it's it's not only the IPO process, but it's it's being prepared well ahead when you kick off. Thank you, Isabel. Let's move back to Krista. And I'd like to shift over to the debt capital markets a bit, if you don't mind. And we, what, what do you see, we were talking about economic trends and what's going on with the yield curve. How do we view the debt capital markets? Um, is high yield a possibility? I know there have been very few deals, um, in, at least in the US high yield market. Uh, what's happening generally, and where do you see debt, the debt capital markets playing a role in helping to fund the capital for shipping? Sure, so um, the, the, the US bond markets have historically been yet less utilized in the shipping markets simply because of um, the size and the scale. So typically speaking, when you think about a company um, accessing the bond markets, you're talking about wanting to issue in sizes of $300 million or more. Um, to have the scale and liquidity in the markets. And so a company has to be a certain size to, to have that make sense. Actually, the, the markets have been fairly active in the last 12 months. Um, last year, we helped, um, we had several transactions uh, in the container-related space with inaugural new issuances for C-SPAN, for Denaus, um, as well as we helped um, container lessor Triton uh, with a pretty unique strategy in coming to the bond markets. Um, first secured, but now they're an unsecured investment grade issuer, and we helped them issue over $2 billion of bonds last year. Um, right now in the markets, uh, with everything that's happening in the world, with interest rates rising, the markets are very volatile, and issuers who don't have to be coming to the market are not coming to the markets today. 
um, you know, the, the single B index uh, is currently trading a little bit above 7%. That has widened out about 250 to 300 basis points over the last 12 months. Um, you know, and so that's, that's been happening across the board. And again, everything happening in the geopolitical environment is, is influencing the pace of issuance. The markets are there, the markets are open. Um, our advice to clients in the shipping sector is to think about long-term strategy with respect to balance sheet. What you can get in the bond markets um, is fixed rate debt, longer tenors, size, um, non-amortizing debt. And so, so there are certainly benefits uh, for companies who have the right size balance sheets. Um, but you know, we're in a market that we have to be very careful about navigating issuance windows today. Thanks, Krista. Uh, Jimmy, would you like to say a couple of words about the debt capital markets? Listen, high yield is back to being high yield again. Um, but interest rates don't feel like they're coming down, other than yesterday when Powell gave a fantasy land outlook for the next year or so. Um, but interest rates don't feel like they're coming down from a uh, sovereign point of view. And we've already seen a widening of a couple hundred basis points in the last six months as it relates to the triple C's. And now we're creeping into substantial widening on the triple B's. And I think it's just a matter of time before it creeps into investment grade. So yes, high yield is high yield, but I think high yield is going to be higher yield going forward. Um, we did a deal today where the coupon was 13%. Um, that wouldn't have happened six months ago. So the markets aren't terribly open, but if you need to raise money, there's a risk of waiting. Um, things can get done. Uh, if you're a shipping company with tremendous cash flow, the notion of delevering might not be the craziest idea in the world. Um, and you've got still have, in my mind, relatively low interest rates. You have a relatively high, but not super high, volatility. If you're not paying a company that's paying big dividends, you might even think about uh, a convertible bond where you effectively have a call up 35% with a fairly low coupon and uh, the option the option value is quite useful. Um, but yeah, my view is the markets are a little bit open, but uh, the direction to me is difficult to see how it's going to change. I think, that, I think the credit spreads keep getting wider. Ronnie, what are you seeing in Oslo? Um, so look, I think the, the panel is, is summing up pretty, pretty, pretty well. How, how we see the market as well. I think, I think the only thing we can add to what has been said is that we, um, we, we, we do see the market opening up for kind of the oil services space, which is not that relevant in, in this uh, audience, uh, but for some. So, so you know, what's happening in the energy uh, situation in Europe has clearly um, shifted focus a little bit, and people are more willing to, to enter into that space as well. Thanks, Ronnie. And as time is running short, I will look to the end to Chris again and see if Chris has a few words on debt spreads, coupon, and potential for either deleveraging or leveraging, for that matter. Yeah. So I think I think you know the market woke up like a few months ago in terms of you know where inflation is and where interest rates likely need to go. Um, the economies were. You know, super strong leading through last year and into this year, and then you know, this Ukraine 
Russia situation has added a huge amount of volatility, boosted energy prices uh, to what will probably become you know, relatively unsustainable levels. So I, I think we're in for a challenging couple of quarters. Um, but I do see, you know, the, the markets that I see that are really strong right now is, you know, the, obviously the shipping and energy markets are actually benefiting from all this volatility. You know, earnings have never been higher. Shipping companies can actually raise more capital and probably less expensive capital, you know, now than they could, you know, six months ago, simply because they have so much more earnings and their ship values are so much higher. Um, so, 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 you know, I, I, I think, you know, selectively the markets are, are open and available for, for those companies. They just have to pay a little higher rate. The other thing that is really strong right now are the M&A markets. So the capital markets have slowed, but the M&A markets, where I spend most of my time these days, continue to be very busy. It's driven by private equity um, primarily. But you also see guys like John Fredrickson trying to consolidate and, and you know, the Quantum Pacific folks looking to um, consolidate various spaces in the market. So I think we're going to see a lot of M&A activity this year amongst some of the um, some of the bigger tanker and, um, and, and LNG operators. And, um, and, and the private debt markets are also quite strong. We have a couple different marine transactions, international flag marine transactions, where we've got, you know, private loan solutions, you know, that are, you know, I'd say much more attractive than what you could raise in the um, in the public market today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, if you have a couple of questions from the audience, perhaps uh, you can take them now. Or anyone has a question? Okay. Any questions? Well, I can ask one additional question, and that is, <laughs> there's a lot of SPAC money sitting around, and I don't know if anyone has a comment on that, but apparently there are a number of SPACs that were done in the last couple of years that have not spent their trust funds. Um, do you, does anyone see any opportunities for deploying that money in shipping? Uh, I think when we spoke about it last time, there did not seem to be much activity in that arena. I don't know if anyone has a, a thought on that. I'd love to hear Citibank's view on that because they were the Q1 of 2021 market share leader in issuing specs. Well, that's it. issuing specs is different than you know, spending Thanks the money. for that. Happy, happy to take it. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, are shipping companies good targets for specs? I, I think that uh, the answer is typically there are some challenges to that. And, and you know, basically, when you look at what SPACs are trying to do, is they are a offering a merger transaction with an existing listing. And you, you still have to evaluate, is the company itself a viable IPO? So it's a question of, um, as you evaluate using a SPAC for a shipping company, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the relative value proposition here? There's an inherent dilution involved in a SPAC. And the way DSPAC transactions happen today, typically you need to go raise new capital alongside that transaction. So you have to have a platform that you believe will attract new capital. Um, you can get the vote approved, but in that investors have the right to take their cash back. So I think that's why we, we don't see um, as many SPACs going after shipping companies, simply because um, you know, it's, it's not typically the right value proposition. 
Thanks, Krista, and thank you, Jim. And I'll, my pleasure, we'll turn it back to Nicholas. Well, thank you very much. Great panel. Thank you for the event for moderating and the panelists. And please, we have one last presentation, a great presentation to go through, and then uh, we will enjoy it. So let's have a picture. Why? I